Welcome to Fishing Friday's radio podcast, where we go behind the scenes and uncover the tactics and strategies top fishermen are using to catch more fish, dominate tournaments, and how you can get those same results. Here is your host, Mike Grady. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dig In Fishing Fridays. I'm your host, Mike Grady. I'm excited today because today we have Drew Benton here. Drew is a Bassmaster Elite Series angler from Panama City, Florida. Drew has been Rookie of the Year in both the FLW Tour and the Bassmaster Elite Series. Drew has won two major wins, and the first in uh, FLW Tour Lake Okeechobee and the second Bassmaster Toyota Texas Fest. Drew will also be fishing in his second Bassmaster Classic in Knoxville, Tennessee in a couple of weeks. Welcome, Drew. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Drew, what are you up to today? Uh, well, as you know, I'm up here in the Panhandle where Hurricane Michael just unleashed its wrath a few months back. And uh, today I'm working around the house trying to get everything back in order um, in between events. So I'm kind of wearing two hats at one time right now. I, uh, I'm i in Daytona Beach, Florida, and I can absolutely tell anybody listening that if you haven't seen pictures of what uh, that hurricane did to the Panhandle, it's like a bomb went off up there. It is. It really looked like a war zone, um, and still does in a lot, a lot of parts of, of my county. It's just uh, you. I've lived through a bunch of hurricanes. Being from Florida, we've never left, and it's just it still amazes me um, the amount of force that that came along with Hurricane Michael. Well, I'll tell you, after being in Daytona for 25 years, I can absolutely tell you one thing is true. I'd rather the wind every once in a while blows sideways and uh, throws a hurricane at us uh, as opposed to uh, 100 inches of snow and 25 below zero. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do that much cold. I live down here in the south for a reason. And uh, you know, I don't mind going up, up north and, and fishing those Great Lakes smallmouth fisheries uh, in the summertime when we're escaping that 100, 100 degrees and 100% humidity down here, um, but, you know, this time of year um, and, and on in early spring, the south is the place for me. Yeah, buddy. All right, let's talk fishing, man. How did you uh, – tell our, our uh, listeners, how did you get started fishing? Well, I mean, my love for fishing started fishing for brim and, and uh, catfish on the Apalachicola River with my granddad um, as most kids, you know. And I really didn't start bass fishing until I got to uh, high school age and started fishing around little ponds and lakes around the house with my friends. And um, that's really how I got my start, just wade fishing, um, floating floating down Econfine and um, little rivers around the house and float tubes and, and uh, just fishing for bass that way. So you did that as a kid. So what made you get into competitive fishing? So, you know, I played baseball all through um, high school and college, and I was a super competitive person. And, we, you know, we had little tournaments here around the house, Tuesday night tournaments and Saturday events. And, and uh, you know, whenever I was 16, I got me a little bass tracker. And, uh, you know, we started getting in those little local tournaments and doing really well. And then I just started climbing the ladder. I, I branched out to regional events on Lake Seminole and Ufala. And uh, joined a bass club, and um, you know it really just took off from there. That competitive aspect of tournament fishing was the best of both worlds for me. It, it gave me that competitiveness that I, I, I need, and 
um, you know, the love for the outdoors. So it's just a combination of both, and it's just it was just the perfect setup for me. Well, let me ask you, now that you're fishing at the highest level, what's the biggest challenge or problem you found in competing with some of the best there are? Um, you know, obviously the, the biggest challenge that, that I can think of would be that no matter what, you can do everything right in this job. You can, um, you know, make the right cast, make the right decisions, but you're still going after a wild animal. And that X factor along with weather and, and everything else that can, can be thrown at you, um, it, it, it's, it's got, that's what makes it the most challenging. You can do everything right on your part and you still not get paid at the end of the day. And that's just, that's just part of the game that we play. Luck is part of it, huh? Uh, I wouldn't say luck as much as just those uncontrollable factors. Um, gotcha. You know, like you, you, you practice for an event, you've got some fish found, and it rains three inches the night before and just blows out your area. Or, you know, just, just the X factors that, you know, Mother Nature and the, the aspect of, you know, you're, you're chasing after wild fish with tails to swim off. I mean, that's just uh, just part of it. Gotcha. Well, given that, what have you learned, uh, you know, because obviously, you know, you did well in FLW and now you're in the Elite Series. What have you learned that's really helped you succeed? Um, mostly just keep an open mind. Um, you know, you develop a game plan, of course, in practice, and you kind of get an idea of what you want to do. But, you know, you've always got to keep an open mind while you're out there fishing in the tournament. Um, a lot of things develop during the event. Um, matter of fact, a good point would be uh, Texas Fest. I didn't figure out the winning deal until the afternoon of the first day of the event. And I had no idea that I was going to win that tournament. I had no idea I was on the winning pattern. It was just keeping an open mind and, you know, fishing what was in front of me and, you know, taking things one step at a time. You mentioned that you put together uh, a plan for, you know, the tournament of the lake. Can you talk to us a little bit about what your process is and, and going through and putting together a plan for a particular body of water? Yeah, typically um, I, I take into account, you know, what stage the fish are in, um, whether it's pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn. I try to find that out before or, you know, before I even put the boat in the water. That that gives me an idea of the type of areas I need to look at. It tells me, are the fish going to be shallow? Are they going to be in those staging type areas, those steeper banks? Are they going to be on those places that they come and rest after they spawn? Or are they going to be out deep in their summertime haunts? I mean, it just gives you a better idea of locations to look. And that's, that's kind of the, the most planning I do. And then I hop into um, just trying to locate, just try to get a bite or two, let the fish tell you what, you know, what's going on. When it comes to putting together your plan or implementing it, do you, do you use any tools or any information sources? Oh, yeah. Um, my my Lawrence units are... You know, they just take all the guesswork out of all that. I can, I can study the mapping um, on my Lawrence units and see where the channel swing banks are, where um, you know ditches and and travel points are. I can, you know, use the structure scans um, to find uh, you know rock holding structure out you know off points and, and road beds and things like that. And actually, uh, in the summertime, you can actually see the schools of fish. So. 
that is, is a big tool as well as, you know, satellite imagery, Google Maps, um, Bing Maps, using those to see, you know, a satellite picture of the lake and you can see where grass grows or where sandbars are, uh, where little depressions are on flat, things like that. That's all very, very helpful and useful tools that you can use before you even get to the lake, before you even get to the body of water and you can do a lot of homework, you know, using those tools and, and, and take a lot of the guesswork out before you actually get on the water. Yeah, and I ask this to a lot of a lot of the elite guys. Do you actually write down your plan in a, in a book, or do you just kind of keep it in your head? No, I don't. I don't write it down. I, I keep it in my head. You know, I'm a, a very forgetful person. Um, if you if you know me, um, matter of fact, this interview, if you if you wouldn't have texted me a while ago and reminded me, I would have forgot about it. But when it comes to fishing and comes to getting bites and things like that. For whatever reason, I can remember that type of stuff, and it just it stays in my head, so I, I don't really have a need to write anything down. Because it's what you love to do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, when, you, know, you, you put together your plan, you kind of go out there, you get some experience in your practice. What's the, what kind of results have you gotten from you know, some of your different you know, things that you do over and over and over again? Um. I feel like as long as I go in and just try to get an idea um, and don't really get too hung up on one thing, um, one pattern, I just kind of get an idea of, of, of starting point for the event, not necessarily, you know, I'm going to do this. If this doesn't work, I'm going to do this. If that doesn't work, I'm going to go to plan C. I feel like if I just figure out, you know, an idea, somewhere to start and, and kind of let the tournament develop, um, to me, you know, develop itself to me, and I, I just kind of keep an open mind and, and kind of roll with the punches. I, I find myself far more successful than if I get hung up on one thing and, and just, um, you know, try to make the fish do that. I, you know, I think you're way more successful if you let the fish tell you what to do and, and you just kind of, you know, put yourself in those high percentage areas. When you're kind of working, you know, working – along you know do you kind of keep the time in your head about how long it's been in between fish or that kind of thing or do you have a set time and so in other words you said it, your process is kind of fluid but you get to be like wow nothing's happened in 20 minutes i gotta do something else or you just well, just go with what's happening well yeah in a way i mean every body of water is different you know some some like uh you know you might be fishing for five to seven bites a day Whereas other lakes, you know, that have a big fish population, you're getting bit, you know, steady. And you, you got to kind of take that into account and factor that in. Um, so, yeah, there's got to be a time, you know, kind of a mental time clock in your head um, going off. If you're, if you're spending too much time doing one thing and not getting bit, you obviously got to move on. But you got to take into account the body of water you're on. I mean, up north, if you're not getting bit, you know, you better be doing something else because the fishing is, is very strong up there. they got, you know, big populations of fish, and they don't get fished for often. But when you're down here in the south, say, for instance, on a, you know, body of water like um, the, the classic venue, you know, it'll be March, um, it'll be pre-spawn, you know, you might not necessarily get the number of bites that you would at a place like um, uh, St. Lawrence River or uh, St. Clair up north. Um, but you, you know, you, you gotta stick to, you know, the areas that you have confidence in and, and the techniques that you have confidence in 
and allow those fights to come. Um, but it, there definitely has to be a mental time clock factored into that if you're not getting bit at all. So what you're saying is fishing the St. Lawrence is different than Toho or Okeechobee, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, you know, fishing the St. Lawrence, it, it's just so full of fish. I mean, you're going to get bit pretty much everywhere you go on that place. And the, the key for a place like that, though, is the quality. And, you know, a three-quarter three pounder, and a four pounder are very, very different. You've got to find those four pound bites. That's, that's the whole key there. Um, and, and when you say time wise, if you're getting a lot of three and three quarter, three and a half pound bites, but you're getting bit, you've got to go do something different. I mean, you're not, you're, you're discounting yourself hugely by not going after that, that bigger quality bite. Um, elsewhere. So you've got to, you got to move around and figure out how to get those four pound bites. Just because you're getting bit does not mean you're on the right track in those places. And again, it's all according on to the body of water you're fishing. Gotcha. So what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned or the most successful thing you've learned that's made you better since you started fishing, you know, F FLW and of course the elite series? Um, the, the biggest thing is it's being able to be versatile um you know you have guys that um you would call your your deep water guys you got your guys that, you know are just shallow water guys and we, we could be you know dropping on them up north and they're going to go try to find some field shallow and from what i've found you've got to be versatile you can't you can't be that guy that you're just known for being shallow water or known for being a great deep water angler you've got to get out of your comfort zone and you've got to figure out ways to catch them in those times um that they're going to be called off you know out offshore um you know vice versa um it's just uh, the nature of the game the, the most successful guys in the sport are versatile and that's the biggest thing I've learned gotcha so when you're going and making up your plan you're also taking a look at depth of water in different areas huh yeah yeah I mean um, for instance if if I'm thinking that, that you know everything's spawned to pre-spawn I'm going to be looking in those areas that are you know five foot or less um, possibly little depression stitches you know leading into spawning pockets and things like that um, and then if, you know, I know that everything's post-spawn, more like a June uh, to summer pattern, um, I probably won't be looking up shallow, uh, you know, unless it's a grass lake where fish live shallow year-round. You know, most of those fish will move out to a river river channel ledge or a, a deep drop or something like that. So, you know, that, that kind of gives me um, an idea of a starting point to look at least. Gotcha. Well, lastly, as we come to the end of our interview, I want to ask you, and I ask everybody these two questions. Number one, what is your most successful fishing secret? Oh, most successful fishing secret. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll answer that because I've had a lot of questions since St. John's River. Um, I have, uh, I've had, you wouldn't believe the number of emails messages on social media and I'll, 
I had a, a pump up sprayer on the, the front deck of my boat with a little blue solution mixed up in it, and and everybody wants to know what is in that pump up sprayer. Well, when I'm sight fishing um, in the spring, you obviously have a lot of pollen on the water that time of year, as well as you know any kind of wind or ripple that blows. It's hard to see. You might be able to see the bed, but you can't get a good look at the fish and see what you know size fish is. So what I can do. With a little bit of a blue dawn dishwashing um, liquid, which is you know environmentally safe, I might uh, you know mix it up with a, a little lake water, put it in a pump up sprayer, and I can spray it like there's a little ripple on the water. I can spray it um, in a you know a ten by ten area, and it'll slick that water off where I can see uh, see really good and see what that fish is, um, see how he's acting, or if there's pollen in the water, I can spray it and I can disperse that pollen and see so. That's probably one of the um, the biggest secrets I've got, and it's kind of um, it's it's known. It's not a big secret or anything, but a lot of people have asked me, you know, what that is, and that's that's what it is. I'm here to tell you that's the first time I've heard of it, and that is that is awesome because you're kind of using it as a a surfactant, so you can actually you know cut down on the, the glare. Right. Yep. That's amazing. All right. So, question number two: What's your most successful or your favorite lure or bait? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I have to say, though, you know, going all over the country, a bait that catches them everywhere um, is probably a, a little crankbait, and Bagley makes a, a fantastic one. It's called a Sunny Bee. It's a little six to eight foot diver. Um, of course, you can put heavier line on it, fish or shallower. Um, but if you put 15 pound test, it's going to dive about six feet. It's a, a tight wobble, small crankbait. It gets a ton of bites and it catches big ones. Um, it's a, it's a balsa lure that comes through any cover you can imagine. Um, and it's got a super tight, super realistic action with great colors to match any kind of forage you want. And it'll catch them from Florida to New York. So that's a, that's a bait that I throw a ton, um, and have a lot of confidence. Nice. Drew, um, you've given our listeners a ton of great information. I really appreciate that. But this is professional fishing, so do you have anything that you want to promote? Um, well, you know, we couldn't do this without any of our sponsors. Um and that you know, when when you asked me one of the hard things, um the hardest things that I've learned about, you know, this sport, it, it's hard to to answer that without mentioning the you know the sponsor aspect though you know it's two jobs it's fishing and promoting and um, you know every year we got more fishermen and it's harder and harder to get sponsor dollars because they get split up but um, you know I couldn't do it without Bagley um, Phoenix Boats Millennium Marine Lawrence Power Pole um, Doomsday Nichols Lures um, Phoenix Rod Cigar Owner Hooks um, all those companies are, you know, kind of a team that I've put together, and they they work really well together. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm glad to be a part of you know their family, and uh, you know I couldn't do it without them. So they're products that will that will put more fish in everybody's boat, and uh, just be sure to check them out. Awesome, man, Drew. Thanks for the great information, and thanks for being on our show. All right, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, good luck in the Elite Series this year. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Fishing Friday's radio podcast. 
If you'd like to be notified anytime we release a new episode, just hit subscribe and like this episode. Or you can subscribe over at fishingfridaysradio.com. In addition to that, we would love to send you a free gift. You can find that free gift at giveaway.diganchors.com. Thanks again for listening.